for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 382 of This Old Marketing for Friday, June 30th, 2023. That's right. It's almost the 4th of July here in the U.S., and with me, as always, my friend, my pal, and apparently the only guy who's not going to go storm Moscow, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? <laughs> God, that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. I All I got were... were uh... All these notes on my phone that said, Putin's losing control. And then, of course, yeah. you had that mixed with the whole Titanic sub thing, which is horrible. It was just a strange, it was a strange it, news week. It was a which really is probably yeah. is probably perfect for not doing news this week, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it's probably, I mean, it's definitely a slow news week as we lead up into the holiday. Um, and, of course, nobody likes to release news in the same week that is my birthday. Uh, because That's right. that just takes everything. Um, but it was a weird week. The whole submarine thing and then the whole craziness that is happening in Russia right now uh, with that guy. And it's it's like it like if this was a Hollywood movie, you wouldn't actually even believe it it's just it's just crazy unbelievable well it's yeah. also unbelievable in the same week is your birthday and of course i have my 25th anniversary i never realized how close your birthday and, and my anniversary was but it's it's just a wonderful week it's just a simply outstanding yeah. week so happy birthday yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very uh, much. Any, any, um, any deep thoughts that you, I know we're going to, to add our own marketing and, and media deep thoughts, but are you, uh, is this a big year for you? I mean, you have to say how old you are, but is this a big year? Are you, are you <laughs> changing anything? Are you, are you, are you thinking about life in a different way? Like what's going it, on with Robert? Uh, here's what I will tell you. I will tell you it is not a big uh, number. Uh, certainly, it doesn't have a five or a zero to it. It's, it's right in the middle. <laughs> it's not like it's, me having a meltdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a month ago. It's, yeah. I, I, here's what I'll say is that it, it's 57. Um, and so it's a little weird um, to be, I don't, I don't know why the number 57 feels so weird to me, but it, but it, but it does for whatever reason. I don't feel like what I think of when I think of 57. I certainly, my body doesn't feel that way. My brain absolutely doesn't feel that way. So uh, it's a little like, eh, okay, it's 57, right? No I big mean, deal. It's, a little, it's a little like that. Um, I'm always glad to hang out and, you know, and have a little celebration and you know, the fact that my birthday always happens at this time of year that leads usually right into the 4th of July holiday is sort of always been a neat thing for me because I get kind of, a you know, about a week of just sort of taking some time off, right? Because, you know, it's like my birthday and then it's usually either on the weekend or right around. I mean, it's always, you know, that the proximity to July 4th. So, it, you know, this this year it's a little weird because... Uh, July 4th falls on a Tuesday, so it's going to be like the weekend, and then 
then there's like a Monday, and then there's July 4th, and will anybody be working Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week? Probably not. So, no, I don't think so. You, know. you get a lot of time. The way that it's ending up this year, I mean, people are really going to yeah. celebrate your birthday. I guess yeah. what I was going to ask you, that's not that I wanted to put you on the spot, but now that you're beyond 55, 56, still 55, but okay. 57, yeah. Yeah. 57, yeah, you round that Heinz up. 57. Heinz 57. I'm Heinz 57. But yeah. but now you're starting to think of I'm almost 60. Not that I want to put that in your head, but thank you. Thank you. I wanted that. to put that I in your head. That. I wanted I you to. I, yeah. Is I, that because I, I, I appreciate that? It's uh, so I not for me, like for me, 49, no big deal, 50, huge deal. But I've heard with some people, it's like the 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 number itself, the 50. The fifty-five, the sixty, aren't the big ones. It's the leading up to. What do you What do you say to that, Robert? It's the well, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm not sure what to say to that. Actually, um, after all, a- after that lead up, other than the fact to say, I- I, it doesn't feel like a lead up to sixty, right? Maybe I'll feel differently next year or the year after as I get closer to it. But but I, right now, I feel. I'll put it this way. I feel as far away from 60 right now as I have ever, right? So, yeah. In other words, it doesn't feel any closer to 60 right now. Um, Not that 60 is a bad thing. I, you know, I don't, well, of course, I'm around 50 and 60 year olds all the time now. But when I was younger and my parents were that age, they seemed very old. Right. Now, I don't. I I don't. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years and it's almost like we're in stasis. Yeah. We just keep doing the same show That's 380 right. times. That's so, right. So time has literally stopped. That's right. For us. That's and that's why we do this, really, is because we're still just two young chuckleheads trying to figure shit out. So well, I like it when somebody <laughs> listens to the first couple episodes and, and yeah. they listen to episode 380. They're like, it's the same thing. I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the, it's that's the same exactly thing. the point. And you <laughs> got it changed quicker than all. most. That is correct. Literally, no value that is being added. <laughs> over the past 10 years. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's right. Nice. We've gotten snarkier. That's the only thing. Age has made us snarkier. That is the, that is I, you the know only what? thing. I, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, what's the biggest difference? I think the, the previous episodes, like let's go back to 2013 and 14. I think we were actually trying to deliver value. I think that's the difference. <laughs> we did. Well, I would say this, we, we, we definitely off, and this is something that we learned. Actually, somebody asked me this the other day. They, they, they were asking about their podcast. They were saying, hey, trying to figure out the, the right show flow and segmentation for our new podcast. And it's a business podcast and all of that. Yeah. And my piece of advice, and, and I believe this, was people tune into you more. And I think we've learned this, although interestingly, today will be a little bit. Our special episodes are usually a little bit of a stray from this, but yep. not terribly so. But I said, don't focus in on making it practical, right? Don't make sort of like the step one, go do this. Step two, go do that. It's not an instructional, right? People don't typically tune into these podcasts to get some sort of instructional idea. Save that for your class. Save that for your online classroom or your workshop or whatever it is a podcast should be number one entertaining number two conversational uh, and number three very much structured like a show it should be interesting to listen to and so if you focus there you really don't end up with a lot of practical takeaways but you do end up with a lot of goodness you end up with a lot of like 
you know, what we typically, the feedback we typically hear on this from this show is, uh, and I mean this earnestly now, I don't mean the sort of silly joking that we do about this, but the, the, the typical feedback we hear is they keep me up with the trends, which is fantastic feedback. Love that feedback. Cause that's, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're just, yeah. you know, we're, you know, as my wife and I have this word for it, we call it, we call it chatter walking. Um, which okay. is basically when you sort of chatter at each other and just, you know, you're just chatter walking, you know, you're walking and you're chattering and you're talking and, you know, you're not really saying a lot, but you are actually relaying, you know, a good entertaining time. So, yeah. But it's, it's interesting you say that because I got together with our, we have our, as you know, we've got our group of friends, four couples and we get together and when we haven't gotten together for a while, we share a lot of news that each other has, whether it's personal news about the people that sure. we know or news in the world. And it's sort of how we catch up on what the heck is going on with everything. And that's sort of what we, <laughs> you and I do. We like, yeah. we talk and there's things that you share with me that I have never heard of. And I don't think if it's gone the other way around, but anyways, I learn from you and then I comment on it. Like, I don't know what's going on and it works and it works. It does work. It does work. But I, but I don't know if it would work for a lot I think that we're we've done a better job of keeping. I mean, I'm just looking at stats here. We have a very loyal group of I listeners know. that we have They're for a so long nice. time. They They're are so wonderful. Nice. Our our fans are the best. But I think it's hard. It might be harder for newer listeners to get in because here we are. We're nine minutes in or whatever, and we still haven't talked about anything constructive. Maybe maybe not ever in the show, but generally we don't get to anything until the ten to twelve to fourteen minute mark. And if you're a new listener. That might be like, what are, is this a thing? Like, this is this old marketing. Are we going <laughs> to learn like, anything marketing? And they're like 10 the minutes in going, is, no, probably they're, not. They're like 10 minutes in going, huh? That's what this is. Yeah. This sucks. This is what uh, happened when, you know, you, you're sort of out, you're, you're, we're out to graze now. That's we've been in marketing so long that we're that basically means. chewing on the grass and just <laughs> we're doing whatever that, right? So remember last week, I did get, by the way, a wonderful note from uh, an audience member on a new tagline. Um, oh, which I'll, really? Yeah, I'll bring it up here in a second. I forgot okay. to have it up on my screen, but I'll bring it up. on my. It's, a, it's pretty good. But chewing our cud, that could be that that might be. Our, <laughs> they chew the cud. Chewing. That's, yeah. The, the chewing the chewing cud. on the, the yeah. cud that is old marketing. Older, this old marketing. This chew the cud. And old and marketing. Anyway, yeah, so so what is our. Okay, we do have you want to look at the tagline cool, yeah. or do you want to go to the show stuff? No, I want to I want to go to the show. Um, okay. They, we'll they do the tagline thing later. Yeah. Um you had this great idea, so what what are we doing? What's our so show? So it's it, as we uh go to air, as it were, um it will be June 30th and that is exactly the halfway mark of 2023. We are, you know, we are end of second quarter, beginning third and fourth quarter, we're halfway through the year, almost to the day. Um, and I wanted to sort of have a discussion about the things that we should be paying attention to. What strikes me so often is, and as this has been especially true this year, has been the number of pontifications and predictions and warnings that we had toward the end of last year and the, and the, and the early part of this year that have just been woefully wrong, right? Just, just so much has happened. The metaverse that we were so, you know, talking about and then just yep. didn't. Crypto, the AI, we're talking about the economy and the recession. 
you know, I, I love the, the saying, you know, the folks that are predicting recessions have, have predicted the last 37 of the last four pre- uh, recessions. You yeah. know, so it, it, there's, it, it seems like every day there's so much stuff. And even to our point where we were just talking about, right, with the Russia thing and the submarine thing, and like, what should we be paying attention to? Like as marketers, as content creators, as brand, as, you know, folks who focus on creating stories and learning and thought leadership for our various audiences, what are the things that we should be paying attention to as we kick off the back half of 2023? So what I charged you to do, and I did myself, was to come up with uh, four things that we should be paying attention to, and we'll each have a hot take on each on each topic that we should be paying attention to as uh, in this audience. And then one thing that nobody's paying attention to that we should be paying attention to. Ooh, um, that one so, I like. Yeah. It'll, Not it'll that I don't like with, the other ones. We're going to have a fine conversation, but it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, so that'll replace our rants and raves uh, section, um, that, that one last one there. And hopefully we'll have a, a nice little show about it. So it'll it, be Wouldn't it'll it be, be nice? It would be it would be nice if it was if it was a good show. It would be nice if it was a good Wouldn't show it? for a change. All right, are you starting or? Uh, why don't you start? You, you, you want can me start. to start? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, let me bring up my handy dandy uh, show notes. Would you here. like me to start because you're not prepared? No, no, no. I got it. Okay. I got it. No. All right. oh, here's my. I just have to look yeah. at see what was in what order. I mean, I have all I kinds of yeah. bad takes. All right. That's right. So the the number one thing, and this is I've had a lot of conversations with individual creators about this, but I think this is relevant to marketers as well, anybody creating content. I think that we're now at a point, we've been doing this for so long, content is the thing we create the most of in any organization. It has really gotten out of hand. It's unwieldy. And I think that if you've got, if you're an organization that's been doing this for a while, you just have a ton of content that's literally doing nothing for your customers or for your business. It is a big problem. So what I'm what I'm talking to a lot of creators about is this almost like a reset. You do a, a mini audit and then a reset and say, okay, we are doing, if you look at CMI research, it's a great one. It'll say the, the average enterprise uh, creates and distributes content 13 to 16 different ways per audience, which is almost improbable that you'll get anything done doing so many things because you can't be great at 13 to 16 different things. You can maybe be right. great at a couple. So it's the idea of too much content and not enough at activation. So the, I'm, I'm seeing two things. It's maybe we shouldn't be doing all these other things. And we've talked about that before, bringing, bringing it down and doing two or three or five things really, really well. But also what you're seeing is more activation. And LinkedIn is a really good example of this. When I talk to people that are, are saying, hey, I'm really I'm, I'm doing all the things on LinkedIn. I'm posting every day. Mm. Um, I feel that I have I've got differentiated content but nothing's working. And I always say, well, are, are you in the right communities? Are you commenting on other people's posts? Do you have your list of 10 to 20 people that you should be commenting on on a regular basis? And to a T, Robert, it's always, no, I don't make time for that. Well, okay, well, it's not yeah. going to change. So content is not enough. So it's that we've got too much content and not enough activation. And I think I'm hopefully, fingers crossed, we're starting to see more of that uh, be taken seriously in, in brands as well as, as individual creators. I think it's an important point. Um, I love it. I love that as, as a take, it feeds right into mine, by the way, which, which I'll talk about in just a second, but it's this, you know, the, one of the things that I think has been illustrated by the, the, 
decline, let's say, of the number of uh, social networks is, and truly the focus in for marketing people into LinkedIn, which we've seen, yeah. um, you know, as Twitter has sort of become something different, as yeah. Facebook has become something different, as Instagram, maybe there's some crossover with Instagram here. Instagram has sort of, I would say, widened the their remit, as it were, and LinkedIn has as well. Um, but th really the focus on LinkedIn, for me anyway, I would say it has really demonstrated and illustrated to me because I, I rarely post on Facebook anymore. I really just don't. I don't I, I'm a consumer of Facebook and I love seeing what my friends are up to. And I, mm -hmm. Facebook has always been a personal thing for me, not a business thing. I've never put really any business stuff on Facebook at all, nor do I on Instagram really. But LinkedIn is really the only one where I focus on content. And I look at engaging with LinkedIn uh, as part of my job, right? And so to your point, commenting on posts, meaningful comments, not just me too, but yeah. you know, actually, here's what I think about and thank you and congratulations on your new role. I'm sure you'll do great, you know, really interacting with LinkedIn, but then also obviously posting more thoughtful things. Um, and, and, you know, and, and really engaging with the platform. And I've, it's been rewarding for me on the backside of things. It's been, it's been, you know, it's much more, I'm getting lots of ideas from LinkedIn. I see lots of good content and, and my feed is better and, and all those kinds of things. And I think that's a, it's a great point too, by the way, the reduction of the amount of content, uh, but the higher quality sort of focus that I'm seeing for brands that are focused in on successful content marketing, right? Where, Quality and quantity is finally having its day, and the the you know that tension has existed for as long as you and I have been doing this, and the quality argument really seems to be having its uh, having its way right now. I think quality always trumps quantity every yeah, time. Now you can make, I, I see. I have these conversations all the time with, especially on LinkedIn. It's like, oh no, no, it's you really have to have both. And yes, you have to. I mean, first of all, you have quality non-starter then you can figure out from your quantity standpoint. But I always take, I love what Andy Crestadina did years ago. And he said, I'm going to post a, a amazing blog post every two weeks. That's what I feel I can do amazingly well with the resources I have right now. And he's, yep. he, he's done great. He's increased his SEO. He's increased his subscribers. If you looked at his link, LinkedIn uh, newsletter, it's done amazingly well. Yep. Um, so it's just interesting that that, that, that works first and foremost, and I, and I love Jay Klaus said this at CEX, he said, okay, well, if I'm gonna, what's easier to get A's in five subjects or an A plus in one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, right. that's the type of thinking we should go with and saying no. I mean, strategy is about saying no. We've said that on the show many, many times. And sometimes you have to say no and say, it's not, it's not going to be worth it right now to do the podcast or the video series or whatever right. it is, because that's right we have this opportunity over here. Let's take advantage of it. Let's activate it. Let's That's move right. forward. What, what's your, uh, what's your first one? What do you I, got? It's a, it's a great segue because, and, and, and by the way, we didn't plan any of this. We didn't plan the order of any of this, but it's yours amazing. is a great segue because of course I start with generative AI in content. Um, and I know that's kind of a no duh. We all ought to be paying attention to it, but let me get a little more specific. And what I mean by that is right now you can't, throw a rock and not hit a social post that basically is telling you you have to get good at generative AI. Tell me about it. 
I mean, it's just everywhere, right? I mean, there's, everybody's got a class now and there's, you know, templates you can buy and there's, you know, I mean, there is a definitely a get rich quick scheme happening from coaches and consultants and all of that that are out there saying, basically, we'll help you get good at AI. And my question, and by the way, I've consumed a number of these, is what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to get good at AI? I mean, does it mean getting good at prompts? Almost certainly not. It Prompts will be one of those things, as we've talked about on this show before, that at some point, AI will create for us. Like, it's going to help us make it easier to create prompts. There are Start already... these prompts, yeah. Yeah. There or are already software yeah. solutions out there, by the way, that you can purchase that will help you construct great prompts, right? You know, th that basically will write the... You, know, you tell it what you want, and it will then... Here's how you should prompt, right? So I think prompts is a commodity, um, ultimately, that becomes easier and easier over time. I don't think it's necessarily uh, learning how to type it into ChatGPT or the, the solutions. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the proprietary interfaces that some of these solutions will ultimately have, nor do I think it's about finding the right way to ask Dolly or Midjourney for, for an image. I, I don't know what get good at AI will ultimately mean, but what I think it means and where I think we should be paying attention is this is my experience because I have been every every few days I, I make time I schedule time that I actually interact both with a tool that I've purchased um, and then also with ChatGPT just learning how to integrate it into my workflow that I think is the key part of this is like I already have a workflow for creating stuff I have a weekly column I have a lovely weekly podcast that I do I have. Uh, other writing assignments as, as necessary. I'm looking at how do I integrate AI into my workflow about quality because once I figure that out, what I have learned, my key is all of this, and this is where it feeds into what you've said so well, is that writing, creating content is kind of the least interesting thing that it, it's, I, it's really not that interesting. Like, Having it write original content for me, I don't find that you mean so you're saying the AI is the least AI. interesting thing that it does. Yes, creating content is the least interesting thing that generative AI does. I think what it does interesting though is that it takes my thinking, my raw thinking that I that mm -hmm. I, that I that I just spill out into a Word document or a Google Doc or something like that, put it in there, press on that thinking really work it, have it work like a research assistant with me, reformatting, structuring, yep. telling me things I'm not thinking about, all those kinds of things, telling me, you know, what I'm not covering that I should be covering, doing, integrating it into my workflow, not as a content output assistant, but rather as a thinking assistant to help me think more logically and find patterns that I don't see and uh, uncover things has been great. And what that has done has that it has actually enabled me to create fewer, better things. And I think that's the really thing that we should... So when I think about getting good now at AI, that to me feels better. In other words, it's a little bit like not getting to know Photoshop because you can actually, you know, put in a photo and auto-magically take away the background. That's not getting good at Photoshop. What getting good at Photoshop means is how do you take that painting that you made and actually start to use a tablet to start to paint things and create original creations in Photoshop and take advantage of the ways that the sophisticated features that it has back and forth to help you 
implement and enhance your art, that's getting good at Photoshop. That's how I think of getting good at AI and the thing that I think we should be paying attention to. No, I, I, I love all the points. I agree with what you're saying. I saw a post, I can't remember who had the post, but basically said that using AI and metaverse in our marketing terminology will not exist in the next couple of years. We will be talking about it in some other way. Uh, and I tend to agree with that. I'm almost, I almost feel like I want to be up to date on the AI stuff enough, just as I'm sort of, I'm like, there's a rope and I'm holding on to the boat and I'm yeah. just going to hold, I'm just going to drag on the thing as long as I can. And then it's going to slow up enough. I can actually get in the boat. I just, I just want to stick around long enough until it's a part of everything that we do. That's um, right. So it's, so it's either a really scary time to be a content creator and a marketer or, it's the most exciting time we've ever had because it's going to change so rapidly, but I don't know. It's all, it's almost like, Oh, remember when marketing automation came along? We're like, Oh my God, all these things we won't have to sure. do anymore. And then we realize, Oh my God, well, no, uh, most people only use about 2% of any marketing automation yep. tools capacities anyways. So we, we picked up a couple new things along the way. So that's where I don't know where we're going. Is it, is it a whole new thing? We're going to think about it differently or is this just going to be baked into what we're doing right now and it's not going to make a huge impact. I agree with that. I, th I think, you know, it becomes very much like, and I, I can remember the days back in 99, 2000, 2001, when somebody said, well, where's the website I should go to? Well, you would go, well, it's HTTP colon slash slash www.joepolizzi.com. And people will go, yeah. okay, great. Thank you. You know, and, and now it's just like, where do I go? Oh, you just go to joepolizzi.com. It's fine. Yeah. You know, you, there's no WWW. Nobody assumes you need to say that anymore. And in fact, you don't for the most part, you never say HTTP. Most people don't even know what HTTP stands yeah. for. Right. You certainly don't, you know, think about things like FTP or other transfer protocols. It's just, it's just part of the way that you live and breathe on the internet. Or, or I mean, and I've had some presentations recently where I don't even put my website anymore. Right. I just say, yeah, just Google me. Just, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's right. You'll find me. Joe Poli right. Type Joe Polizzi in anything. That's Hopefully, right. if I've done the work, I will that's show right. up. The, the correct right. one with the that's with right. the wonderful blue check that's meaningless now on Twitter. Anyways. Anyway, go, we should probably get to the to second that. one because uh, <laughs> maybe we didn't think this through with how many we should have. <laughs> um, yes, well, we, we'll be we'll be more precise on these next ones. So my, my second one is... Um, it's a little bit qualitative, so this is my own opinion about what I'm seeing, but uh, there was a time about two years ago where there were some great newsletters in our industry, and <laughs> yeah. they were way much differentiated, and now there's so many newsletters, there's a lot of same, a lot of the same going on, Yeah, and I think that's only going to get worse. I think that there's we, we caught on to this email newsletter bug and everybody, including me and you is, Oh my God, what a great sure. opportunity. And people are still going to their inbox and doing it. And people, I think people got the note that, Hey, I've got to step up my email newsletter game. Well, I think we've got to do it again. I think there's so much clutter around email um, that I think we need to take a fresh look at our newsletters. Every organization does. And if you just have your basic, here's the art company update and here's the five things that we think are interesting and abstract link and whatever, and you're getting a 15% open rate, you're in big trouble. 
Like you, you have, you have to figure that in the next six to nine months, that thing is not going to be working for you anymore. You're probably seeing a lot of opt-outs. You're probably seeing more and more people not even open that thing. So you have to create a real content experience that is truly differentiated in the email format. I mean, I know we were talking about this. We want everything to be differentiated. We want to create an amazing experience for our customers with anything we do in any medium. But for some reason right now, I think that email has got a little bit crazy uh, with so many people starting their own email right. newsletter that we've got to rethink. We're doing it with, with what we're doing at the tilt. I know I'm doing it with my individual newsletter. I'm like, what what do we need to do to make sure that this thing is helpful yeah. and resonates with people? Yeah. And and we're telling a story that makes a difference. So that's that was my my take. I would just I think it's a great one. I think it's a great I mean yeah. it, having an email newsletter is a bit like having a blog back in twenty eleven, right? Twenty twelve, right? Everybody, everybody had one. Everybody had a blog, right? Yeah. You had, you know, you had a blogger or you had uh, uh, what was the other one that was that was so huge that everybody had typepad. Um, typepad. Right? I had a so type, Yeah, I started with a typepad. Seth Godin is still on Seth, typepad. Seth Godin yeah. is like the only one that still has a typepad <laughs> right? blog. Yeah, uh, and I think it's because it's a custom typepad blog, and so he's. He, I don't think he, he can move from it. <laughs> not all, you've been there recently. Things. Not a lot of custom yeah. going on. Yeah, it's, but anyways, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I think that's a I think that's a great one, and I think the it, the 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 good will rise as did with blogs, right? The, the you know ultimately the, the it, there will be a consolidation in the marketplace, and I think we will start to see, you know, the 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 good newsletters survive and the yeah. not so good ones not. So I think I, I like it. You know, I like it. Um, th- what I what I worry a little bit about is the the disappearance of uh, the inbox as sort of a paradigm, right? So with the, you know, with the idea of Slack and some of the more, uh, you know, Discord certainly much to a much lesser degree, but other sort of uh, messaging aggregators that sort of take everything you do uh, and sort of put it together, whether it's text, email, instant message, whatever those things are, I wonder a bit about a evolution of what we now think of as the inbox. And, you know, speaking of age, I, I, I wonder if that's us in some degree. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what emerges over the next couple of years to say, how are we, how do you create addressability outside the bounds of email, right? Outside the bounds of email or a phone number, how do you create addressability? And it's, it, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's true. That, that's the question that concerns me. Yeah. Where you say you, you've got email, You've got uh, you, people are getting very creative around phone number. And of course, you know, you're not, we're getting spammed an incredible amount. That's right. So not that our email, that our uh, phone numbers out there, but you're like, you create a membership group. And we tried to do it, of course, through a token and discord and that didn't work yeah. out so well. So you're like, okay, well, they're, they're th- that battle um, is going to go on for the next couple of years. It'd be interesting yeah. to see where that and goes. And you ask, you have to ask yourself, what's the next standard, right? What's the next global standard? Phone number is certainly one. Email address is another. What becomes the next standard for this represents me on the internet? Yeah. And I, I think it's a fascinating question. All right. Hey, well, just so you know, while you go and you do your second one, I'm going to mute my mic a little bit because we're getting, we're getting a huge thunderstorm. Oh, fantastic. Have you heard any of it? The, no, no. The, the camera just shook about two minutes ago because okay. I thought we got hit, but I'm okay. All we're, right. We're, well, I'm glad you're okay. We're good. I'm so glad, anyway, I'm so just in case, okay. if you, if you, if I mute for a little bit, it's because I, 
it's raining so hard I can't hear anything. So okay, and I want fantastic. people to hear you because yes. your message is important. Indeed. Well, okay. <laughs> not sure where to take that. Yeah. But okay, so my next one is the new, what I'm calling the new website. And this goes right to what I was just talking about. This idea of, you know, what are the new standards, right? What are the new standards for email? What are the new standards for phone number, for addressability, for all of the things that we sort of classically think about. If you think about it, the website, we haven't evolved really, truly the website since its origins, right? Since its origin story in 1998 or 1999 or whenever you had your first sort of big, meaningful website that represented you or your brand or your company on the web. And it's still literally a hierarchical display of page level content that people navigate through. And blogs changed it somewhat, where we sort of took the idea of content in reverse chronological order and put it on, you know, and sort of that became a website for many people. And these days, content hubs are starting to become sort of more, uh, you know, sort of the idea of the hub and spoke content hubs or those kinds of things that are creating expertise around a topic. But... And I'm as guilty as anyone here because I'm still trying to figure this out. And it's something that I'm really paying attention to is what is the website of 2024? Like, what should we be thinking about? In other words, how do you organize things outside of a hierarchical menu-driven idea that is smarter, better, a better user experience for getting to content, useful, valuable content, rather than looking at it from a SEO, like here's your blog post that you just posted and now you have to have a right rail because you've got to have navigation to the rest of the site. Or the idea of a you know corporate website where you've got about us and about our team and about our products and about you know sort of the more online brochure thing that has been classically structured for so long. The new website, what does the new website look like? And I've been sketching some things that I think I've been out there looking around. There's some fascinating examples of this where it is really built around you know the whole idea of headless uh, is a really interesting thing to me where you've got just a big bucket of content structured and you can start to build interfaces based on targeting based on personal preference based on a number of attributes that you could assign that everybody gets something a little different or everybody gets something a little more optimized to their idea not only just from a content perspective but also from a design perspective as well and those paradigms i think really are ripe for shift and it's something that i'm thinking a lot about and certainly I know some uh, some some marketing folks are also thinking about, especially as we start moving to a more AI generated search paradigm, which is when you start thinking about it. I saw a fascinating question on social media. It was on LinkedIn actually, which is how do we start making sure that we're in the answers that AI provides? Right, that's the new SEO questions. Like, how do you start making sure that your answer, your content, your point of view? is the one that's represented when someone asks AI a question. And man, do I think those are fascinating, big, hard questions to figure out. What do you think of the the link in bio where you go to, let's say your website is, here's yeah. all the things I do. Is that a short-lived phenomenon? I do. I do think it's a, I th I've always thought it was a hack. 
Okay. It's just it's a hack because it, and it was all born out of the fact that you couldn't put multiple links into a bio, right? Into Instagram, In, or, Instagram, which uh, I think Instagram now lets you do two. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, yeah, but it's it. Either way, it's it's literally how do I make a landing page out of my, my you know where I can. Um, where I can not only point you to my website, but I can also point you to my store and I can point you to a, a, a you know, it's like if I'm in, in, it's always the, it's always like Insta social media where it's like, Hey, link in bio to the, you know, this deal or this particular yeah. thing. And then you click on it and you got to go find it and search for it, which is suboptimal. It's a total hack. I've always thought link in bio was a hack. But you still believe that the website is more critical than ever. I think web content is more critical than ever. Yeah, I'm less convinced that websites are critical, but I'm more convinced than ever that web content. And you know, we used to have we used to have this fascinating debate. Um, not a debate, more of a lunchtime conversation. So, for those who don't know, my pedigree for from a product development perspective was in web content management way back in the day, going back to '99 all the way through 2008. That was the company that I was a CMO for, we used to have these fascinating uh, discussions about the future of web content and websites, because the paradigm, the idea of a website is so old. And so it's not, it, it was never good, right? It was never a great way to actually organize content um, for an interactive experience. It was always sort of borrowing from old paradigms like magazines and newspapers and things we could sort of wrap our heads around hierarchical folders that were you know presented in a sort of a top-down you know way that looks more like an org chart than it does uh, a particular way that you actually consume content and i just think that there we used to talk about this idea of how web content just out there in some way but then presented in organized fashion based on what you want to see so it might be literally a website, just for lack of a better term, that not only features your web content, but also features your competitors and you know, people in you know, like-minded things. So it's sort of like magazines built on the fly or newspapers built on the fly and, and, and all these kinds of things where we started to talk about the flow and how content is presented on the web. I think web content is definitely something that we should be paying attention to and websites, I don't know. I, I'm 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 convinced that they're not long for this world, but I don't know what replaces them yet. Yeah, I don't know. Well, when you find that out, would you let me know? I'm oh, trying. Absolutely. I'm trying to redoing. Well, I'm looking at redoing JoePolizzi.com as well. Right. I'm just trying to figure out, and we're you know, I'm looking. It's a great at example. Right. What other people are doing, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's. I mean, of course, it's the same thing as everybody else about Joe and. Uh, and here's my speaking page and here's the podcast and here's my right. next project and here's the nonprofit. But what about, so, so just, just to draw that to its ultimate conclusion, what about something, a technology where let's pretend for a moment that this was possible. Cause right now it's not because content is so weirdly structured uh, across the web. Like there's so many different structures for it. It would be very, very difficult to pull this off. But imagine you said, Hey, I want I want people when they go to JoePolisi.com to basically pull my best content from wherever it lives on the web, right? So the front page is my favorite YouTube videos that are out there. The you know the article that was written about me ten years ago, my book 
in Kindle format yep. or in some sort of structured format. You know, basically it pulls it all together using AI or using some sort of technology to do that in a smart way because it knows what I want to know. If I hit JoePolizzi.com and it pulls that information that's the most relevant and interesting to me um, for my, you know, for why I'm hitting your content. Think about that for a second where you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is make sure that your content is out there in the world. Sure. And it basically pulls together. And now that's Google, right? Ultimately, when you think about it, that's what Google's trying to do with things like Knowledge Graph, et cetera. But thinking about that as an as a as a unique capability to us is really what but, I'm interested in. But that that's a great point because that's where I think the the special sauce of AI is going to come in is when it knows all of your needs, wants, behaviors, the things that you'd like to see, how you like to see them, and you match that up with the content that's out there. And yep. that's where you get the, you know, the Joaquin Phoenix, her mashup of OS. Right. That, that's and right. So I, I don't, right. again, we're, I don't think we're that far from that, but they have to take what we like and how we like to get content, all the stuff that makes us us, and then match that up with web content. And then you've got something and everyone 100%. has their that that means that AI is is a different thing for every person, which is the way it should be. 100%. It's also 100%. scary as hell. Yeah. But I mean, that's where that's I, a I've different been story. I've been fascinated with this idea of of individual learning mod, uh, models, right? So L, you know, the Joe Polizzi LLM, right? The Robert Rose LLM, right? Yeah. Where you can use you could use not somebody company, but basically you it becomes your little package of usefulness, right? But it, but it contains all the things that you've created, so that it becomes a smarter, uh, a smarter database for again, lack of a better terminology, of of ability to pull you and represent you on the web. Perfect. Yeah, three. Number three. All right, we're gonna we're gonna have time to cover one more. Let's do one more. Okay. Each oh, I get to and, pick one of the one of yeah the, one of your uh, one of your final two there. Yeah. So pick one of your final. Uh, two. Okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the video product. Um, all right. Everybody who's listened to the show knows I got a hang up about TikTok. I'm concerned about that whole thing, but I'm not going to get into that. I believe if you are a serious content creator, you absolutely need a quality, consistent video product, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoy what we've done here with this old marketing and made because mm. now I see the possibilities of what we can do and how you can cut this thing up a bunch of different ways so that people are more aware of what we do with this old marketing. Yeah. Um, there was a really interesting article on uh, published press and they were talking about how every Mr. Beast has become Mr. Beast because of his challenge content. Like, Oh, I can, I can uh, have, have 10 people do this, build this thing in less than five hours and whatever, or whoever can meet this squid games thing or, um, he started out with the whole thing about zero to counting from zero to a hundred thousand or whatever he did. And it sort of made everybody calls it the, the Mr. Beastification of, of video. So you got all these people <laughs> right? doing this, but now I think we're at a point where there's opportunities for some amazing storytelling. I've seen some incredible documentaries coming from individual creators. We have all these tools and if you're a creator and if you're a marketer, um, and you want to your point, the last point, if you want to be found, I think in order to make this whole system work for us and to be discovered, you need an amazing piece of video content. I don't know if I felt that way a year ago. I, th I thought that and I still do. I still feel that if you can double down on one and be great at just a podcast or just a newsletter, go do that. 
But yeah. once you get toward that level of, oh, I built my minimum viable audience, do you need a, a video product? I believe that answer is yes. I don't believe that's necessarily on TikTok. I don't know where that is. I don't know where the story needs to reside. But I think you need to have something, and it's not necessarily what Mr. Beast does, or it's not necessarily what Casey Neistat did, did years ago. Um, it's whatever you bring your secret sauce to your 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 story that's differentiated yeah. in some way but do that on a long-term basis the opportunity then is that most people stop well, you know that why do what if you oh, yeah if, if we're in a, sure. if we're in a meeting and some somebody says well if, if we go and and we launch this video thing on youtube whatever it is um how will we fail 99 percent of the chances you've you quit too early <laughs> to before a gate yeah. any residents so that that's my take. Um, I just yeah. don't know. I so I believe that in my bones that we are set up for video. I believe that that's the that's the way that we like that should be our first inclination. But I don't know where that should live, uh, and yeah. maybe it doesn't matter uh, in the near future as long as it's out there, people will find it. I don't well, know. well, that's that. Yeah, that goes back to what I was just talking about, right? With this whole idea of you know where does it, <clears throat> where's the optimal place for it to live and yeah. and be found and be discovered. So. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Um, I think video, you know, it, what we've discovered through podcasting uh, is that audio has a different relationship with people and audiences than text does. I mean, we, you and I hear about it all the time on, with regard to the podcast. You know, there's a level of intimacy. You know, I don't, I don't mean that in a weird way, but, but there's a level of intimacy with being in people's ears uh, that is different than being, you know, reading their posts or reading their papers or reading yep. their, you know, their emails. Um, and it's just, it's just different. And there's a different level of emotional engagement with video than there is with audio. And so I think it's true that you need to hit on all of those emotional engagement buttons, as it were, um, which video does very well because you can do both. You can do audio and video, but there's just that, that's an extra layer of engagement with an audience that you have that you don't have with other formats and i think that's why it's taking off so much and and it's always the the question of you know i mean the, the classic is you've got a face for radio right you know and, and yeah. people don't like to be on video because they don't like the way they look or they don't like the way that they you know particularly look on video all those kinds of things and i think to your point it is literally making an issue it, it's it's visual storytelling really more than anything else the then you know then you know the the talking head thing right now is such a huge piece of what we do but the question becomes is how does video start to evolve as well how does video and the way that we deliver stories and content through video evolve just like we have to evolve the web just like we're going to evolve audio you know for so long it's like a podcast what is a podcast well, it's a host that interviews somebody. 97.8% of podcasts are basically, you know, somebody, a host that's interviewing somebody yep. and, or two people, right? Interviewing somebody. It's an, they're interview shows. Why? Because that's talk radio. That's, that's what talk radio has been for forever. And it's what the news is. It's what all these things are. And so the question is, how do you start to evolve that? And we start to see it with great podcasts, you know, that NPR puts out with the storytelling and they're sort of pushing the limits of audio. And now I think we're going to start to see the same pushing 
on the walls of video to sort of to deliver better storytelling. And, and well, that's, I think, I think video right. video is a is great for the discoverability of audio. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've sure. seen on any of your feeds. Joe Rogan is a great example. I think most people find Joe Rogan's podcast through his video clips. Yeah. And so it's just it's just interesting the way that the the behavior, how, you know, you you could uh, you could build it. Oh, how do you build a loyal audience member? And you kind of go through and you feel, oh, where are all those little discoverability nodes that you're putting out there? And a lot of that is video. And then you get them into something that you can build that long term relationship with, which I think can be a podcast, can be an email newsletter. That's right. But video is a core part of, of making that happen. So okay, what's, right. what's your uh, what's your last one? OK, I'm the, the thing I'm going to end with before we get to our final one, which is the what you know, what we're uh, what no one's paying attention to that we should be paying attention to. So my final sort of one in the in, in the other category is uh, is the job market. Um, and I, it's interesting to me, uh, because I think the, I hear so many predictions and everything about, uh, where the economy is right now. And I was listening to this fascinating, I was, it was, uh, I don't know if you heard it, Professor Galloway interviewing Kai Rizdahl, Kai Rizdahl, by the way, I, no, absolutely, I haven't heard it yet. No. Oh, Kai Rizdahl is just fantastic. He's just, he's so good and smart and insightful and. It's a fantastic interview, by the way. Highly, highly recommended. Uh, Professor Galloway interviewing Kai Rizdahl on his show. On his, uh, I, I don't know, he's got like nine shows now, so I don't yeah. remember which one it is, but uh, basically his podcast. And he was talking about the idea of how frustrating this economy is right now because we can't really predict anything because everything seems to be flying in the face of everything. And to me, it all is around this job market, you know, where we continue to defy gravity with the you know i was reading an article just the other day that talked about how graduates from school and this is what's got me top of mind is that people are graduating college right now and are ready for summer and then they're going to be coming into the fall our new workforce going to be coming into the in the fall and it's the strongest job market in 70 years says this article um, but of course that's not for everybody right because i know plenty of people and again speaking of age um, who are my age or thereabouts who are really struggling to find work right now. Yeah. Um, and it's there's there's definitely an ageism thing happening. There's definitely a lot of talent out there. There are so many posts that you see right now about people getting ghosted in job interviews, about how job interviews, you know, they'll I mean I saw one post where the woman posted 267 applications, 265 uh, response emails, two ghosted. Of the 265 email responses, 10 interviews, five with follow-ups, two with uh, actual meetings, and finally got a job, right? It was like oh, literally, it's- just sounds horrible. In my, right, in my head, I go, I, I, can't, even, I can't even imagine how difficult this? that is, yeah. right? How, how hard that is these days. We tend to think of everything being so easy with search and LinkedIn and so, you know, but it's really hard. So getting good at that, getting good at and paying attention to where the job market is right now and how you're positioning yourself for work and how you're positioned. And I don't care who you are, if you're a solopreneur, if you're a content creator, if you, you know how you're positioning yourself for work is uh, all all the key, right? So. Yeah, that's 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 paying attention it, to that is critical. Oh, it's so interesting to see where it's funny because we we never really did have the recession we were supposed to have. 
and you it it's challenging out there i i guess i would say diversification of revenue is so important and this doesn't mean just content creators that you know content entrepreneurs that have this as a business we sort of tout that right you yeah. focus on singular channels so you can build an audience but you want as many revenue opportunities as possible six seven eight different ways don't whether it's donations whether it's sponsorship whether it's events uh whether it's paid subscriptions whatever you want that to happen the same thing you want for whoever you are yeah whether you're 50 years old or whether you're coming out of uh um college going in and find that job like what are the different things that you can do no matter if it's just a little money on a regular basis that you can do that to set yourself up and protect yourself de-risk yourself exactly right against the environment out there because it is nuts and i, I guess it's I, it's almost a reframing of what a job is yeah um, uh, really it, truly it's it's the whole the, idea the 40, of fractional the, i don't even is, know is a we're, it's we're, a huge I think we're, thing, right? We're we're crazy, but I think we're we're making um we're making foolish decisions if we think that the future will be the forty hour work week at a yeah. corporation. I think we have to think more out of the box now, especially when I'm, That's I'm right. speaking specifically for knowledge workers. Yeah. So there you go. Good point. Yeah, there you All have right. it. All right. Well, okay. So what we're talking about now is, of course, uh our last piece. But before we get to that last piece where we talk about what's not, what people aren't paying attention to that they should be paying attention to, uh, we want to talk to you about thisoldmarketing.com. Basically, our site, our little home on the internet. It's still a very hierarchical site. So yeah, just it's a classic website. So but it's where we've gathered everything. It's where you've gathered the idea of all the wonderful show notes that you can see of all the previous episodes. You can listen to previous episodes. You can also send us a voicemail. It's a fantastic place to send us a voicemail for questions, comments, anything like that. We want those so that we can feature you on the show, um, our wonderful listeners. And, of course, story ideas. We need those story ideas for anything you want us to cover on the show when we do a regular news program and all the things that uh, we bring to you because we care about what you think. So get on over there, won't you, thisoldmarketing.com. You can subscribe to Joe's Tilt newsletter. You can subscribe to my little experience advisors. We just moved to Substack, by the way. Yay, big move. Oh. Um, this week, yeah we, moved to, nice. yeah, we moved. Yeah, we moved to Substack. We're we're now out of the whole Mailchimp thing. Um, Substack have to say rave reviews. They're not they're not paying for me to say this anything. I'm just saying I, I had to learn Substack over the last uh, week and a half, and it's been so easy and so wonderful wow, to, to learn. So uh, big 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 ideas there. All right. So quickly, uh, what are you thinking about? So what's the one thing that people aren't talking about that we should be talking about? Um. I'm, I, I've said this before, Robert, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, nobody in their right mind right now would consider doing a consistent print publication. And I, I think that's the opportunity. Yeah. And I, I'm amazed when I get the mail six out of seven <laughs> days here in the United States and there's nothing good. And yet it's still going to get delivered. And the opportunities that you have no matter what size company to deliver something amazing when it is so difficult right now to build an audience online. It is very, it takes a long time, consistent delivery, something truly differentiated, something really valuable to an audience. You can do that and deliver it via print. And I don't think anybody right now, Robert, in any marketing organization is thinking about, oh yeah, we should do a print magazine. And I right. really do think that 
you know, granted, it does cost a little bit of money, um, but there are ways around that. And I'm not going to get into that today, but I really do think that is a, it is a huge opportunity, especially if you're targeting uh, really core decision makers about a certain topic and you want to reach them and get around all the other gatekeepers online hmm. where they're again, they're in their Facebooks and the Instagrams and TikToks and email and whatever. And you're like, I can't get there. You're sending out ads and you can't get their attention. You know what you will easily get their attention with. If you send them a quality print publication that's relevant to them, you will immediately yeah. get them. And I just don't see enough creators thinking about that opportunity. And I, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's still going to happen. I think that in this um, coming Christmas season, uh, holiday season, I think you're going to see the Walmarts, the Amazons, the Legos, the Red Bulls ramp it up big time with print because they see this opportunity. Yeah. So, but not many I, I agree. Are about it outside of those groups. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, we have seen companies do really well. Uh, with a print magazine right now. Um, and interestingly, much lower in the buyer's journey than previously thought. We're, what, what we're seeing now is this fascinating trend, very small and, and few and far between, to your point, something that we should be paying attention to that not a lot of people are. But there's one example of a company that did a, a very small run print magazine, because you can now do small runs, right? You yep. can do small runs. And basically the sales team becomes the distribution channel. So it becomes this sort of very beautiful, tactile way for salespeople to have a great conversation with somebody at a trade show or at a meeting or send it to them personally via mail, you know, basically make it a very, almost like an old school direct mail piece, but it's a magazine, right? So it's a thought leadership piece to have a discussion about just a, a fascinating way to differentiate yourself. No, there's, a, I mean, this is back a long time ago, but I used to do, uh, work on the magazine for Altair Engineering. Altair is um, in the uh, computer engineering space, computer software space, and they wanted their sales team to have something that would differentiate them so that they could get a meeting. Yeah. And that is exactly the reason why that they created their magazine, Concept to Reality, and it ended up getting more meetings for the salespeople to get into these B2B decision makers. And now Altair is one of the fastest growing companies in the software engineering side and they've been really really amazingly successful and i think one of the reasons is is because they looked at it differently they had a, a particular problem we need our b2b salespeople to get these meetings and they're not getting the meetings well what can we do yeah magazine get them in the door yep. and yep. it works so anyways whatever what do you what do you got Love what's it. going on um, what's the thing last... that nobody's talking about on your side right now what i don't think anybody's talking about because there's sort of the the lust you know people have been so freaked out about the economy that nobody's thinking about uh acquisitions at the moment and i'm fascinated by i was i was looking over the weekend the acquisition sort of venture funding space the venture funding space for sure sort of had a peak uh, around the 2017, 2018 mark. Um, and so then it kind of came down in 2019 and of course fell off a cliff in 2020 and, and 2021 and hasn't really recovered since. It's a tough time to raise money, right? If you're a startup yeah. company, especially startup technology company, um, unless you're an AI. <laughs> and then of course you're just like, you're trying to sweep money off of your patio, right? <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> if you're not an AI, it's a really tough time to be looking for venture money. And so... What I want people to pay attention to is that remember that venture funds are usually in the uh, they're usually in five year tranches, and so 
we're just coming up now on the sort of 2017, uh, you know, 2018 idea of where those five-year tranches start to become meaningful, which mean basically a lot of acquisitions tend to happen, right? When after those peaks, because that's when the, you know, that's when that startup money starts to become, let's get it out the door. Let's get it, let's get it converted. Let's get it converted. And you've got a lot of venture people trying to get those acquisitions. And I think we're in a really ripe time for acquisitions and a market consolidation in, in a lot of areas in the marketing uh, tech space, marketing automation, email, CRM, uh, also, you know, uh, con uh, customer data platforms, uh, all these kinds of things. So something to pay attention to over the next, I would say, six months will be, I believe, kind of a prediction more than a pay attention, but pay attention. Um, we're going to start to see a lot of startups get acquired. I think we're going to see a heavy acquisition season uh, in, in the fall. And I think it's going to be really interesting for those of us who are thinking about technologies for larger organizations and, and larger organizations looking to acquire technology about mm -hmm. what it is they should be paying attention to. And same thing on the content side. We, we've yeah, seen, absolutely. We, we, boy, a couple of years ago, you were really starting to see that where you, where you had uh, HubSpot, um, we're getting, it was, we're buying their media companies and Salesforce was getting involved. And then sort of, it, it's sort of been quiet. And this stuff is still happening. And a lot of the reasons why it's it's halted a little bit is because the sponsorship market has just fallen mm -hmm. off a cliff. Yeah. Like if you were based on ad sales, you're having a really, really tough time. We talked about revenue diversification before. You're having a really tough time. But a lot of those people are setting them up for sale right now. And there's a lot of courting going on that we're not talking about, but we will sooner than later. So I think all of this will come to a head in the next six, nine, 12 months. So. Yeah fascinating there you All go right. oh, that was fun well, that was thank that you was totally fun yeah that, no, was, that was really fun good deal good, good fun special episode here so what uh what what do you got this week uh we have you know leading up to um fourth of july we we have a lot of parties that happen uh especially on the fourth of july <laughs> so we've got and the weather's been great except for right now it's like literally a cat and a dog just hit the roof of my house so this oh, is wow. it's raining right. like crazy but other than that, uh, we've got, I'm going to a wedding in a couple of days. So it's just all the summer goodness is, is coming out. How about you? I'm, there it is. Got birthday celebrations. I gotta, uh, you're going to yeah. the beach. All that yeah, I'm on stuff. a business trip. Uh, and then, uh, and then I'm going to the beach for the, for the holiday. So it should be, it should be a nice, uh, it should be a nice birthday week. Um, and a nice, uh, a nice awesome. way to spend the holiday. Happy 57. So, yeah. Thank you so very, very much. And thank you all very much for, joining us uh, for this wonderful special episode. We'll be back next week with, of course, a regular old news episode. Um, and before we get there, we'll just remember, we're going to see you next week. But, you know, before then, it's your story. Tell it well. We're going to see you next week on This Old Marketing.